Hey everyone, thanks for joining me on the episode of the podcast. I have Doug here, and uh, thanks Doug for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited to talk to you about this. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. So Doug um, is coming from the world of content marketing and messaging and branding, which I think a lot of people overlook, especially in the startup world. But yeah, Doug, why don't we start off with getting a little background about you? Why don't you introduce yourself to the audience, and then maybe we can start jumping into uh, your world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, so Doug Pohl, P-O-H-L, little kind of funny spelling there. Uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Health Tech Content. And basically what we do is we help uncover the insights and build those foundational assets and, and materials to help health tech startups really get off to a strong start with their content marketing. You know, a lot of times, actually, from experience, I can say most of the time, you know, uh, health tech companies, they don't take the, the first steps that really make their content effective. And so they see lackluster results. And that's true across the board. I mean, I've, I've seen it with one person, you know, single team founders all the way through enterprise companies with, you know, 3000 plus employees. They just don't have that foundational information that really makes their content effective. So that's what we do. And we, we, uh, we try to help with early stage startups, give them that, that foothold early on so they can really make the most of their efforts. That's awesome. And yeah, no, like I mentioned in the intro that I think, think though with startups and stuff like a you have to do everything and i think a lot of people are just not comfortable with sales and marketing and they think mm -hmm. that it's and i think we've we've had this discussion just via chat and like through linkedin uh, comments but to me marketing is once you think of it as hey i'm trying to help you i'm trying to give you something i'm not trying to just take 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 i think it completely flips it on his head but um i'd like i'd love to hear your thoughts on that like what are your thoughts on why people kind of struggle with marketing and, you know, what you view as marketing as. <clears throat> yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, um, you know, as with anything, there's going to be a million different facets and ways of looking at it, but, but I really like how you place, how you phrase it there. So, you know, like when, when you start a, start a business, any business, doesn't even matter the industry, like obviously you're hoping to make money. I mean, that's, that's the thing, right? But, but if you, if you approach it with the mindset of, I have a solution that people really need. I can help people. I can do something of value and, and I can really bring something to the table that matters. You know, if you approach your product or your service offering with that mindset, it really makes a big difference. And taking that same mindset to your, your marketing, specifically your content marketing, uh, is it has the same effect. If, if you begin a project, a content project with the idea of, what can we do with this particular topic or format or whatever it is, but what can we do that's really, really going to make an impact that people really need? How can we help them? How can we answer these tough questions? You know, but, but approach it from that, that helpful, that helpfulness perspective. I think it, it's going to put you off on the right start to a develop something that's, that's actually a value. So then in turn, people will want to read it and will, you know, or watch the video or whatever it is, they'll consume it. And then hopefully if you've done your job well and they're in the place that makes sense for them, then they'll take the action that they need to take to move further and hopefully get one step closer to, to making a purchase and becoming a, a customer or client. Yeah, no, I, I love that. I don't know if you mentioned it, but you're, you're, you're going into also health tech now, right? Uh, but let's right. say I'm a health tech startup. Um, I'm having trouble gaining an audience. Like what would be the first step or like, what are the first couple of steps that you're going to take? Like, take me on and be like, Hey, this is what we need to do. Or ask me, Hey, are you doing X, Y, and Z? Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah. So first step is 
is I want to make sure that that we're going to be a good fit for each other, right? But assuming that that uh that the business is in a place that makes sense to to work with us, then then the first thing I want to do is is really take a deep dive into where the company's been, like as as a business itself, but also in terms of of its content marketing efforts and what's been done, and also other marketing efforts because they all kind of interplay, right? So where have you been? Where are you now? And what are your goals for the future? You know, and really wrap my brain around the full picture. And then once I have that, I like to talk with as many people as I can, you know, co-founders, uh, other leaders on the team, especially if they're in sales or customer service, uh, you know, those don't always exist in smaller teams, but, but talk with as many stakeholders as I can. And I like to talk with customers too, people who have made the purchase, people, people who have not made the purchase are also very helpful, but I just really want to get, get as much information as I can. Then with that, I can start diving into some of the, the content efforts that have been made so far. So, you know, do a content audit, see what already exists, what you put out there, uh, both internally and externally, and, and see how it all fits with the information that we've learned through the interviews and research and where opportunities are to improve on what's already existed, how to repurpose what's already, you know, in existence. And, and then from there, create a blueprint for what additional efforts are needed. But, but the first step and the long way to way to answer your question, the first step is just, just getting information. It's research. It's, it's digging into it. It's interviews and making sure that we know what we're doing and what we're talking about. No. And I, I kind of, I like that answer a lot because, you know, the one thing if you had just said, oh, yeah, we just do this, this, and this, I mean, your answer is, is new. I mean, everything is nuanced, right, in the business mm -hmm. world, marketing, especially marketing and sales. And, right. um, you know, the right, right answer is what you said, right? You want to get as much information as possible. You need to know the customer. You need to know the business. And, you know, what works for a health tech company doesn't work the same as for an apparel company. It doesn't work the same mm -hmm. as, like a, like, a grocery store, right? They're all different people, different avatars, different everything. And you have to have that baseline knowledge of who you're selling to, who your customers are, and also who you are, right? If you don't know who you are as a company, then how are you going to actually market yourself? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you hit the nail on the head too. You know, every industry is different and, and has its own little nuances and ways of doing things. And that's one of the things that's really helpful about about what we do and being specialized in health tech, which, you know, of course, we, we include biotech and pharmaceutical, all that kind of stuff. But, but being in the healthcare sphere, really shortens the uh, the learning curve and requires a lot less well doesn't require any hand holding really from the client you know versus if you brought in say someone from the you know the e-commerce world to work on a health tech brand it's going to be very different and they're going to have a kind of a, a longer onboarding ramp than yeah. what we would need so yeah that definitely helps no for sure so what and you don't have to answer this. I mean, I don't want you to give away your secrets, but what kind of content, <laughs> what kind of content do you think works the best for health healthcare companies? Is it like the more personal stuff? Is it more like, you know, Hey, this is facts. This is, you know, listing off a bunch of facts, whatever. But like, what have you found has been like the best bang for your buck when it comes to content marketing? Yeah. Uh, I'll give my, my favorite and least favorite answer of all is uh, it depends. Right. So, <laughs> Every every company is different. Every campaign is different, even within the same company. So, um, it it all comes back to that research and, and the information you gathered early on to determine what is going to be the best for that particular brand, feature, whatever product campaign, and uh, and really customize it each and every time so that you can really maximize your efforts. Um, 
but in general, you know, like it's, no, I'm not even going to say that. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> We're going to leave it there. No, uh, um, no, no. And I, I think that's, I think that's a fair answer. What brought you to this? I mean, you have kind of a pretty interesting story. We didn't really go into your complete background, but would you mind sharing people a little bit about your background outside of uh, this company? So my, what I've come to learn as I've gotten older is that my, my lifelong passion has been communication and, and connection. Like that's, that's what I'm, I'm really the best at. I, uh, I've taken that in different directions over time. Like currently now it's in marketing. And before that, before this company, I was uh, a freelance writer for health tech and so all about language and writing and words. And, and even before that, I was a professional country music songwriter, which is, I know, I know you didn't see that one coming. And, uh, and that was really great. You know, it sounds like, like it's really out of left field, but having written, I mean, hundreds and hundreds of songs and, and done it in so many different ways, what I've really, what I really gained from that, uh, well, I gained a lot, but one of the things in terms of communication is how to, how to find just the right way to say exactly what you're trying to say. And, you know, think, think about a song, a three minute song, that's only probably going to have about a minute, 45 seconds worth of lyrics. Right. And then most of those lyrics are the chorus that gets repeated. So really you've got about 60 seconds of unique language to share a complete story. So you got to be concise. You have to be descriptive and emotive and, and being able to do that consistently has really uh, had a big impact on my career. And it, and it certainly influences the way that I approach our work now. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You don't see a lot of, country music writers <laughs> transition into health tech uh, content marketing but i mean the well, i'm not the only one really? I, I forget his name but yeah um his name uh I'll, I'll follow up on on that with you but yeah i think he's like head of marketing for for a health tech company and wow. he's, i think he still writes too so, like professionally so there's so there's something in country music that, that gets you guys here <laughs> it's the story <laughs> it's always the story and that's, uh, I'm glad you brought up the story thing. So when I had my startup, I think the thing I struggled with the most was uh, telling that story and really, really showing people why I was building what I was building, right? So when you're consulting with health tech startups, do you think that, for me personally, outside looking in, sometimes the why isn't really shown too well, right? It's, it's all under, there's a lot of jargon that's thrown out. There's a lot of, oh, we do this, we have AI, we have this and that. But I never really, you'll go on the website and you're like, why are they doing this? What are they building? Is that something that you see too in your uh, time? Or is that just me? Just <laughs> being, being <No>. weird. <laughs> it's not just you. Um, no, I do. But but in my experience, it's not for a lack of of reason. Oh, for like sure. There, there is a story behind there. There's just companies aren't always the best at, at sharing that story. Uh, so that's one of the things that I, I definitely focus on during the initial interviews and research. Like I wanna dig into that and find out what is the motivation behind the company so that we can share it, you know, publicly. And when I do that, what I what I usually find is that there's like very personal reasons. Like it's it's a very emotional uh business that they've built and and just through a, the processes of building a business and the all the things that are required, it, it's easy I think to lose focus on that and to and to just focus on the business stuff. But if we pull out those emotions and really dig in, dig into them and share them publicly, it can be highly, highly impactful. No, for sure. I think the majority, I've, I've 
made this comment before. I think the majority of health tech startups start with a super noble pursuit. You know, either they, they experience something, their family member experienced something, somebody they know in their circle experienced something that they didn't, that didn't sit right with them. And then these people right. literally now have devoted their, in most cases, their whole life to this pursuit. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I think a lot of times, like with me personally, it was just kind of, I think it was just not knowing how to tell the story, right? You know, I just didn't know how to, like, because, you know, there's this fine line between being too emotional and being too robotic. And I was on the more robotic side, right? Okay, well, this is why I'm doing this because of this, this, and this, right? Not, I, I wasn't like saying like, hey, you know, I had this patient that came in and this and this and this, like, I didn't relate it to anything to like anchor mm. the story. It was just more like, well, it was rational, right? This is what we need. This is why we need it. And I think a lot of people go down that road and not because they're, it's just that we just don't know, right? We just don't know. Like I, I am not a good content marketer or whatever. Like I had to learn very recently what even like a, what do they call it? A uh, pattern break is, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? Like I didn't know yeah. what pattern breaks were, all this stuff. And like, I'm just like kind of, it's a, it's a really fascinating world for me. I, I, I enjoy it, but it's, um, I can definitely see, like I was, I was, I was in that same trap. I think a lot of it is, like I said, it's just, you don't want to be too emotional also, you, you, you're scared of being too emotional, right? You're afraid of putting yourself out there because if mm -hmm. somebody attacks that, that's you. If somebody attacks your company, okay, fine, whatever. But I think that that's kind of what I was struggling with. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting if you study buyer behavior and psychology. It's <laughs> even in the B2B world, even with multiple stakeholders and, and multiple people that have to sign off on these decisions, it still boils down a lot of times to to an emotional decision, or at least it has a, a pretty strong emotional uh, facet. And, and the way that people approach, approach these things is, you know, there's, there is both the, the quick kind of intuitive emotional decision that gets made. And then there's the rational decision that needs that additional information and support and, and to kind of be nurtured through to the purchase. And of course, that's, that's very important for, for health tech, because <coughs> sales cycles are typically pretty long, right? So and and you do have to give that that additional information and the stats and and be able to back up your claims and uh and so that's very important but but we can't ignore the the emotional side that intuitive just that gut feeling that people get and so you want to present both and be able to do consistent do that consistently throughout the the uh the sales cycle for sure yeah no and it's a really fine line i mean the people that do it like yourself and people that are actually paid to do it uh i mean you're worth your weight in gold because um it's really hard for lay people like me to kind of toe that line it's one thing like posting on your own personal thing and it's a different thing when a company is involved right but i also for wanted sure. to touch on b2b versus b2c do you have different ways you approach each like you know from b2b versus b2c or do you kind of have a similar approach to both or like and if there is a difference what is the biggest difference I'd say they're very different. Um, I mostly do B2B. Mm -hmm. So I do have some B2B experience in my background. I used to head up content for a practice management software company. And and I, I think probably with the the main difference from my from my own limited experience in B2C is just that sales cycles are lower. You have one person that you have to convince until you know, instead of half a dozen or more. And and it can be more emotional. Um, maybe the uh, depending on what you're what you're putting 
out there say like if it's a, a mental health app, right? I see a lot of those. I've seen a lot of those recently. Maybe it's just my own interest in them. But uh, but you know, you you really gotta like for that example, you have to really tap into the pains that people are feeling, the challenges that they feel. How do you help that individual versus making the business case that's gonna apply to the CEO, the CFO, the CIO, and not to mention the the end users that are actually gonna be you know have your product with them every day. So, so I think it's B2C is maybe narrower in scope in that regard, but but I hesitate to really say it like that because in, in some ways I think it maybe diminishes the complexity of what's going on. But but uh, that's I, that's probably my the best explanation I can have because I'd hesitate to venture further given that most of my work these days is B two B. Yeah, no, I think that that's true. Like with B two C, like you said, it's just that one person. I think that emotional connection is even more important because you want to you. It's literally the customer is the user, right? Versus mm-hmm. business, the biggest thing in business, right, is the ROI. Like, how much is this going to save you? Either you're saving them money or you're making them money, right? You could have the greatest story in the world, but if you're adding cost with no real return, I, I mean, it could yeah. be, it doesn't have to be money return, but like, hey, patient satisfaction, whatever. If you can't show any mm-hmm. ROI, they're going to be like, all right, great, man. That's that's great. You did this. Uh, but yeah. sorry, we're going to have to pass on this. Yeah. Yeah. Might get some LinkedIn followers. <laughs> that's about it. <laughs> yeah no for sure and then uh yeah no i mean there's 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 actually and uh to your point there's a lot of mental health apps coming out right now i think that <clears throat> mental health is a huge i think it's in focus for a lot of different reasons i think during covid i think a lot of people realized that hey there's a problem so i mean it's good and but we'll see where it goes i mean but yeah i like the i like the the, uh, the technology startups or, or even larger companies that are implementing the mental health maybe features or or tools for B two B businesses, you know, they're they're integrating those into what they're already offering or they're creating something new, mm-hmm. which I think is is really smart. And, and you know, especially in healthcare, if you can find ways to track and improve employee mental health and their overall job satisfaction, you can you can definitely help with retention and and churn and burnout and all those buzzwords that we've been saying for the last few years and uh you know it make a big difference you know so i've, I've seen a little bit of that too these days and, and i like that i think it's going to be really helpful in the long run that side of it is interesting to me because i think that you know working for companies that had like annual reviews or annual surveys and stuff and that's just like a moment in time right that's like okay um either you're really happy or really angry and you're saving all of it for that one survey that comes your email right yeah. like whatever october december um but i do think that but there's no real it's hard right sometimes it's either you're too big of a company you can't keep track of it or some companies try like to have uh frequent touch points but i do find it interesting fascinating that i think there is a need for it because you know you need some sort of i think the cool thing about it would be if i don't know if this exists but like having a having one of those apps be like a real time reflection of how your employees are feeling right like it could show you as a manager like hey 50 percent of my staff is really angry or oh 70 percent of my staff is really happy or whatever like i think there would be something there where you know i think that would be really interesting if you can get real-time data in terms of satisfaction and all that stuff because then you're taking away that immense anger and that immense happiness away and you're kind of getting a baseline right versus mm-hmm. like that one time where 
everyone is really angry. And then you kind of have a mob mentality, right? If somebody's angry and they're like, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. And then, you know, you kind of just keep going down that road and it's just where you might've had an okay one with a couple of people angry. Now you, mm-hmm. like, your whole thing is skewed one way or the other. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, ex- I'm working on a project right now that, that does exactly that. Oh, perfect. That's awesome. Man. Yeah. <laughs> no, it, it is. It is. And it's like anything else, you know, it's, it's going to be iterative and it'll take time to really dial it in and, and make it as helpful as it really could be reach its full potential. But, but it's nice seeing the, the start and it's nice seeing that the companies recognize the value of that and are investing in it. Yeah. That's so awesome. Let's say I'm a healthcare startup, right? And I want to reach out to you. So what are the services that you provide? What we do, I, I call it basically a, a content marketing kickstart, right? So whether you're, you're just now thinking about creating content for the first time, or maybe you put some things out, uh, or maybe you've been doing it for years, you know, it just depends where you're at, but, but regardless of that, it helps have a kickstart. So, so what we do is, it's kind of what I was talking about earlier. We really dive into the business and to the marketing efforts that have been done so far and, and lay out, lay out basically a, you know, an overview blueprint of what you need, what you don't need, what you should start or stop doing all those kinds of things. And, uh, I really kind of put it all out there for you so that you have everything you need to, to decide where to go from there. And you're welcome to take what, take our recommendations and do whatever you want with them, you know, hire in-house or freelancers or whatever. Or if you want to keep working with us, then we take that and, and we really get detailed on it. And every, every recommendation that we made in the first stage, we, we hone in on that and get super detailed on, on exactly what to say, how to say it, where to say it, when to say it, all those things, and and break it down into the different formats, the different channels, the different topics, and uh, and literally just give you everything that you would need to to take your content forward for the next, you know, however however long you know we recommend is useful for you, anywhere from you know three, six, maybe even twelve months. But getting super detailed on the on the quarterly, so that you you know exactly what you're doing, how to do it, and it won't require a lot of uh, a lot of maintenance and and time on your part. We try to really, I mean, founders, especially for small small early stage startups. I mean, you're wearing a lot of hats. You're super busy. You're probably doing like enough work for three people's jobs, right? <laughs> so, so that's a big focus of what we do is, is making it easy for you and still giving you you know the highest quality. Um, you know, best support possible so that but all you got to do is essentially just give the thumbs up and the machine starts working cool so do you guys might sound like a stupid question but do you guys take over their social media presence or do you send them like hey post this today post it or you kind of do a hybrid of both depending on what they want so right now we don't actually you know get into the you know the socials or anything like that we can we can tell you what the socials need to be mm-hmm. and and if you want to even take it further we can write those and, and deliver on that. Um, but it's still going to be up to to the companies to actually post and engage. And I think that that's a really important aspect of it because engagement is, as you know, I mean, we've talked about this from LinkedIn. I mean, engagement is such a big part of it. It needs to be consistent and it needs to be authentic. And the best way to do that is, is to come from you. Yeah. So we can reduce the time and the effort required for you to make that effort. But in the end, it's going to have to be, well, if you want the best results, it's going to have to be your voice 
and and your time that you put into it and and I think that that's a smart investment to make so long as you do that necessary groundwork first to to make it as effective as possible so then it is worth your time and investment so one I think engagement is one thing that people even I had to I had to come to grips with this too like you can put something out there but if you aren't engaging with people then why do you expect people to engage with you right like I mean yeah it's it's yeah. kind of like it's like you know you, you you just talking, it's like at a lecture, right? A school lecture, like the teacher's talking, unless they ask if you have a question, no one's going to ask, you know, no one's going to raise their hand, but. Yeah, yeah. Well, like if you're at a, say you're at a conference or, or just a networking <laughs> event, whatever, and you meet somebody new and, I mean, can you imagine just saying like a thousand words worth of advice for that person? Just, they didn't ask for it. <laughs> yeah. You just walk up, tell them what you think for 30 seconds. And then walk away or just stare <laughs> blankly at them, right? <laughs> yeah, man, it's yeah, for sure. But um when do when do you think that where where in the stage do you think somebody with a startup should approach you? Like where, you know, should they have an MVP out, should they have a product out? Like when when is when do you think is the best time to approach someone like you? So content marketing takes a while. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's not it's not the quick return that you might get from digital ads, right? But conversely, the reason that that's a good thing is because unlike digital ads, content marketing pays dividends for years to come and it it grows exponentially, yeah. you know? And so the earlier you can start, the sooner you start generating, generating that growth. And it's going to be slow growth at first, but if you stick with it, then eventually it does take off. And the sooner you start, the sooner you're going to get those you're going to hit that takeoff point. So what I like to tell people is, you know, you definitely want to be at the point where you, you at least have some customers so you can, you can talk about their experience. You can offer case studies and insights. Um, you want to have kind of that baseline understanding of, of where you're at and where you're most effective so that we can help communicate that. Um, I think, it's good if you've done some marketing or at least try it a little bit. That's it's certainly helpful just so you know what you like and what you don't, because that also influence, influences things, but also what works and, and what hasn't, maybe where you could have done things differently. Um, it's good if you maybe have one marketing person on the team, if you've made a marketing hire, that it's good to kind of have their input as a marketing expert and and someone who can oversee oversee the, the part of what we're doing for the company and and be our, our point of contact. Um, but if you get too big, say maybe if you have, you know, a 10 person marketing team and all those people are gonna wanna chime in on, on the process, it can it can sometimes slow things down a bit, but you know, it's, it's like anything else. I, I take everybody as they come and evaluate each situation. If it's not a good fit, I tell people, yeah. you know, like if, if, if I'm not the right person to help you, uh, I'll, I can direct you towards someone who might be a better fit, and and certainly try to help where I can. But I'm not going to try to force force something because I want to actually do something good here. You know, I want to help, and, uh, and so yeah. But generally smaller to answer your question, uh, you know, one one to five people involved in in the aspect of, of marketing and and wanting to contribute to the content. I think that's a good place to be, uh, even if that one person is the founder. Yeah. that's okay. We just need decision makers that are involved in marketing. Cool, and then and it helps. It, it does help to have some funding, you know, at least a little bit, some capital, so that 
you know, you're not worried about the cost involved for every piece. You can just, you, you do have some wiggle room to, to make decisions based on, on the ROI and what's really needed versus just worried, worrying about your budget. What is a area that you would say, what area do you guys normally concentrate on when in terms to content marketing? Like, like where, where, how are you guys? I don't, I don't even know if I know enough to ask this question properly. To you. <laughs> but like, that's right. I'll I'll make up a response. <laughs> Just wing it. No, like, uh, what? What is? So after you've gathered all the information and so on and so forth, how do you figure out which channel to go down? Which which uh, like what channels to use and what channels are you, do you use more often than not? If that makes sense. Yeah. So it's interesting during the during the interviews. It's, it's, this is one of the reasons why it's really helpful to talk to customers and and ask them these questions. You know, like where do you hang out online? And you just come right out with it. You know, like do you look up this type of information on Twitter or are you solely on LinkedIn or or do you not even use social and you go straight for the academic journals? You know, like so you ask them those questions and then you you give people the formats that they want. So for example, um Worked with a client that uh, had a radiology imaging platform, and it was really interesting that a lot of the the executive stakeholders, you know, primarily wanted uh, like case studies and and would engage with with companies on LinkedIn, mm-hmm. whereas the radiologists who were actually using this this type of technology, they mostly hung out on Twitter. Oh, and yeah, so you had to get the radiologists involved so they could kind of get excited about a new opportunity and want to talk about it and want to use it so that then they could catch the attention of the executives who then might, you know, find out about it on LinkedIn and want to read a case study and move forward in that way. So, you know, it just depends for every for every company and client and you got to do that research, make sure you know what you're doing. Yeah. I think that's all it boils down to is research and knowing who you're trying to get to. But that's a, that's a perfect example of you might have the greatest content in the world, but if the people you're trying to reach are not, at, you know, at that place, then it's literally just burning money, right? And yeah, um, I think a lot, a lot of people take a, take take that for granted, right? Like, oh, hey, I'm on Twitter a lot, or I'm on LinkedIn a lot, or hey, I le- read a lot of print, you know. So mm-hmm. obviously, they they must be at this place, right? And then you come to find out, like you said, <laughs> no, they're not. They're somewhere else, right? Um, yeah. Yeah. And even even founders, you know, and, and people highly involved in these early companies, like, they really know what they're talking about. They understand the audience and and the product. And even still, they can have some misconceptions about how to best reach the, the audience. It's really interesting. And it's it's good to have an outside perspective that's not going to be biased from previous experience. Yeah. And I can tell you that's probably because we, you know, founders think that they I mean, I mean, I can just speak to my own experience. Like we, we, at some point you start like, you know, getting high on your own supply. You're like, yeah, I got this. I know. Everything. Because I mean, you, you know, your product really well. You obviously, you're the one creating it. You know, everything about it. You can answer all these questions. And then, mm-hmm. then you start getting a lot of, you know, then you're like, oh yeah, I can do this. And then you start like taking out some product work, this and that. You're, like, you're getting, you know, you're kind of getting the feel of it. And you're like, oh, I can do marketing mm-hmm. as well. And marketing is always hard. And sales is hard because. I was I I was I was I was like man I wish I did more marketing and sales when I was younger uh, because I think those are skills that are 
just so transferable every single where you go. And and I think that it just gets such a bad rap because again, it's associated with a one way street, right? You give us your money, your attention, and we give you something, right? With with you know, you give us versus I think recently my whole perspective on it has changed by, you know, following some people trying to learn marketing and stuff where they're like no, the reason why you're not selling anything is because it, you made it a one-way transaction. It should be a two-way transaction where actually it's a one-way transaction the other way where you're providing them with so much information that they you build trust with them and then they want to give you the money, right? They want because you you've given them you've you've given them so much without expecting anything in return, right? Obviously, you know, you're trying to sell them something, you're obviously a brand, right? There's that undertone of, "Hey, we're trying to sell you something," but it's not overtly in your face, right? And this guy I was listening to, he was like, we're so good today at avoiding ads. Like they might be all over everywhere, but we're so good at just avoiding them in the periphery and just pushing them there versus if you're truly trying to connect with your, even if it's an ad and you're, but you're truly trying to connect with your audience, they're more than likely going to stop, read it, you know, think about it. And then you might be able to convert better versus like just straight up like, Hey, you know, this is what we're selling and this is why we think you should buy it. <clears throat> yeah no absolutely you know it's the, the example I've, I've heard a few times so like if you if you if i if i have some headache medicine and i want and i'm trying to sell it to you you're going to get really annoyed with me because you don't have a headache right just shut up doug you're alone <laughs> i don't want your medicine right but if you have it but if you have a headache and i tell you like hey this really works well you should take some like maybe you'd be interested but then if if I also like give you additional information, like, hey, here's here's background on headaches. Here's why they start. Here's what you can do to avoid headaches in the future. You know, you know, here are some comparisons of, of different headache medicines. Find the one that's best for you, and like really like develop that. Then eventually, when you do have a headache, who are you going to go ask? Like, dude, my my boy Doug, he knows all about headaches. Yeah, exactly. right. Yeah, <laughs> and that's uh, and I, and you're seeing like um, big institutions starting to go down this road, like Mayo's and. Um like cleveland clinic and stuff like they have like websites just with so much information that even i use well i'll like google something and i'll like try to get or like i'll go on mayo's website or whatever and just like be like oh how do we treat this how do we do that and uh, it's just like free information that they're just giving out like hey here you go but it it builds that trust it brings that and it also brings builds brand loyalty uh with the right you know so like uh you know they're not selling you like, hey, come to Mayo Clinic, whatever. You're just going to mayoclinic.com slash, you know, headache or slash whatever, and you're just reading about it, and you know it's going to be accurate. You know it's it's well-written. It's written in a way where people can understand it. And like I said, even clinicians like myself, like I'm going in there and looking at this stuff. <laughs> like it's valuable things, right? So uh, I'm seeing a lot of – no, no, I shouldn't say a lot. More, more hospital systems need to start doing this. I think more uh, healthcare entities need to start doing this because – it does build a trust and it builds a brand and whether you want the word brand, I mean, it might make you cringe or whatever, but the fact of the matter is in this world, everything is brand related. It's how you make people feel what your brand makes them feel. And that's how you're going to get money. And yeah, healthcare is not for profit in the perfect world, but really let's be honest, like they need to make money. They need to bring people in. And the only way you're going to do that is if you, if people trust you. Right. And you know, like look at what St. Jude's does and you know, there's other hospital systems out there that have built like a national brand that you, no one, everyone knows about them. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
MD Anderson. People yeah, will fly exactly. from all over the country for MD Anderson. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, man, that's awesome. So, what is the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah. So, the website is healthtechcontent.com. Uh, you can also find me uh, on LinkedIn, uh, which is just whatever LinkedIn backslash in slash <laughs> Doug Pole. Uh, but yeah, just look up health tech content or, or Doug Pohl, P-O-H-L, and uh, hopefully you shouldn't have to scroll too much. Not a lot of polls out there in the world. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> it's I, not that I've seen. And I'll have all that stuff linked in the show notes below as well. Oh, um, so yeah, man. Uh, so if you are a health tech startup, uh, definitely reach out to Doug. He's a great guy. Uh, he'll, you're, you'll be in good hands. And uh, but yeah, any, any parting words or anything like that? Yeah. Any yeah. Words so... of advice? Or all of Definitely. us waiting in the content waters <laughs> without a life jacket. <laughs> if if you're not if you're not ready to maybe like bring in some help for your content, but you know you want to put something out there, um, this this one little tip I think can really take you far. Is just don't try to impress people with your content. Like don't don't worry. Like I don't. It drives me nuts. I don't know what it is about healthcare, but it seems like everybody in healthcare wants to sound brilliant <laughs> and academic and and it just there's like this i don't know it just tried to like everyone's just trying to one-up each other on how smart they are and and it has the opposite effect no one no one thinks you're super smart because no one's even going to read what you're putting out there once you start putting content out there that that does that even for health tech where audiences are typically well-educated well-informed and they can very easily understand what you're saying that's not the most effective way to put content out there they want stuff that's conversational that's easy dumb it down i hesitate to say that but yeah dumb it down because just because they can understand it doesn't mean that's what they want and and if you want effective content that's actually going to get the results you want that's first step is getting over this this weird ingrained desire to sound smarter than our competitors yeah um yeah, I 100% agree with you. I'm going to leave it at that because I don't have much to add to that. I think that's a great way to end the episode. <laughs> um, again, uh, I'll have all the links to Doug on the show notes below. Um, thank you, Doug, again for taking time to be on my podcast. And yeah, man, I hope everything oh, have a great day. Thanks for having me, Zane. It was fun. And uh, I really appreciate you asking me and taking the time. And I'm excited for this podcast, man. I think you got a good thing going. So let me be a part of it. Thanks. I, I paid him a lot of money to say that. So, but thank you very much. I'm <laughs> glad the check cleared. Checks in the mail. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much. And again, I'll have uh, all the links in the show notes below. Definitely reach out to Doug if you're a health tech startup in any stage, really. And um, yeah, he'll take care of you. All right, awesome. man. Have Thanks a great so much, day. Thing. All right. Bye. Take care.